Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode is going to be a week two review episode, so I'm going to be talking about all the most important stuff that happened in last week's action of football. Uh, it's Tuesday, September 20th. I'm actually just moving all my stuff into my apartment here at UCSB, so my uploads might be a little weird. They might be a little short for a couple weeks here just as I get adjusted, uh, trying to figure out where to record all this stuff. I'm actually back at my house um, where my parents are, so I'm recording this episode here because I still need to grab a few things. Um, but obviously I'm going to be living on campus, so we'll have to figure out where to record and all that stuff. I'm sure I'll figure out all those details. Just if uploads are a little irregular for a couple weeks and maybe they're a little shorter than usual, that's why I thought I'd let you guys know. But without further ado, let's get into week two's action because it was a crazy fun week and I'm really excited to talk about it. So let's just go in order of the games. Um, so I didn't get to watch too much of the Chiefs-Chargers game because I was actually working that day. I watched some of the highlights just quickly. I didn't get to see the All-22 or anything like that. I didn't really get into too much detail about it. But I mean, obviously the biggest takeaway from this game is Justin Herbert's injury. I think that's first and foremost. Obviously the Chargers were a little beat up in this game. Keenan Allen didn't play. They had a few other players that JC Jackson did, but he was on snap count and he didn't really look like 100%. He had a play that he got burned pretty bad for a touchdown. But again, the biggest takeaway from this game has to be Herbert. How long is he going to be out? Is he going to be out? Um, how is this team going to look without him? Because Chase Daniel is the backup there. They're obviously extremely different quarterbacks chase daniel is well he's a safe guy but his ceiling is just extremely limited he doesn't have nearly the physical tools that herbert does obviously not a lot of quarterbacks in the nfl do have those tools it's very limited but i mean even in just a lot of regards it does change your offense a lot um it's a sounds i haven't done too much research into this but it sounds like it was a cartilage injury into his ribs um and I haven't heard any updates about if he'll be playing or when he'll be back because obviously this was this is pretty recently so I'm sure we'll know sooner to the game um, so just keep that in mind with betting in your fantasy lineups because I'm sure you know Justin Herbert is a must start every single week you're gonna want to look out for that one there's also a big story going around this game that the doctor who punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung is the one who's helping Herbert with his injury again so and apparently Tyrod's also suing this guy five million dollars I believe if I'm not mistaken so there's a lot of controversy there but I mean at the end of the day Herbert is just a warrior like the, the ability that he was or excuse me the fact that he was able to make some of these throws after the injury is just ridiculous I mean that dart to DeAndre Carter over the middle middle over the middle excuse me over the middle when um it was right after he could barely get the ball out of his hands. He was wincing in so much pain, and then he just threw an absolute dart. That's the type of fight you just love to see. And, I mean, it was a pretty close game throughout like throughout the whole deal. The Chiefs kind of looked like they were in control of the whole thing. The Chiefs, I mean, they're the real deal. Like, obviously, Tyreek Hill not being there, it does hurt. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is playing lights out. First two games without a pick. That's absolutely flawless stuff. It's a lot different from what we saw last year out of the Chiefs. They really started the year slow. I mean, it doesn't look like that at all so far. It, like They just look so damn good. I'm still not worried about the Chargers. I really think the Chargers can still give the Chiefs a run for their money in this division. I definitely think they can steal a game from them later on when obviously they come back to LA. That's November 
20th. I know that off the top of my head because I'm going to that game. Very excited to see that one. So again, I mean, both of these teams are still going to be really good. The biggest takeaway just has to be Herbert's health. Um, obviously, keep keep yourself updated with that. If you haven't on any fantasy rosters, if you're betting on any of his teams, make sure to keep that in mind. Um, I, I'll look up right now who they're playing next week, if it could affect those games, that like those odds, obviously. I believe it was the Texans. Yeah, they play the Texans next. So, I mean, you would hope that even with Excuse me. <clears throat> oh, no, I'm lying. They play the Jaguars next, and then they play the Texans. So, I mean, I guess even if, you know, Herbert misses a couple games, you would hope those would still be winnable with Chase Daniel um, just because their roster is that good. So, again, maybe it is a – like, obviously you never want this injury to happen to your starting quarterback, especially when, you know, there's one that's this important to a team and could, you know, potentially be the MVP at the end of the year. But if there is a time to happen for it to happen in the season – it would be now when you're playing the Jaguars and the Texans the next two weeks and I don't expect him to be out two weeks but again I don't know the full details about it so maybe he could this is just these seem like the weeks you'd want that to happen so up next let's just talk about because again there's not too much to cover in this game I mean it's only week two we can only take so much away and I again the biggest takeaway has to be Herbert's injury up next let's talk about the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers I talked about this game in my preview episode Pretty quickly, um, I kind of just explained that I really like the Steelers in this matchup because I really like their defense. I thought the Patriots' offense was going to be putrid. And it's not like they were lighting up the scoreboard or anything, but they limited their mistakes. Mac Jones did have a pick, but other than that, it was a pretty clean game. Their offensive line played a lot better in this game, in my opinion. They were opening some really solid holes in the run game. I mean, Damian Harris was efficient. He wasn't doing anything too crazy, but he, had a, he was able to ice out the game at the end of the day. Um, from that offensive line, opening up a hole for him, I believe 15 carries, 71 yards, 4.7 yards a carry. So solid stats there. Ramondre Steven, 5.2 yards a carry. So again, very efficient stuff. Um, that is, if you're averaging above four yards, you are in very, very good business to just control the game. It was very much a Belichick game. Mac Jones distributed the ball well. Jacoby Myers had a lot of, I believe he had nine catches in this game. So Definitely an interesting waiver wire pickup there in fantasy, especially if you're in a deeper league and he's still available. Definitely target Jacoby Myers. I've liked him ever since last year. Seems like Mac Jones and him really have a good connection there as well. But I mean, the Steelers really lost this game for themselves at the end of the day. Um, their offense obviously did not play a great game. Patriots defense made the most of those opportunities when they were presented. Their D Patriots D-line looked pretty good. The Steelers O-line really struggled in this game in a lot of ways. I mean, the pressure wasn't getting to Mitch too much, but it's not like he was holding onto the ball for too long anyways. It was more so in the run game. There just wasn't a whole lot of holes there. Uh, Najee Harris, 15 for 49 on a 3.3 yard average. That's you know, that's not that's not great. That's not what you want to see at all. And then even Trubisky, I mean, just his average yards per attempt was just extremely low. To have 33 attempts and only have 161, or excuse me, 168 yards, that is really inefficient stuff. That's really not what you want to see. And again, it's just this team's offense, especially just being held back from their offensive line and quarterback play, really needs their defense to step up. And they just can't afford the mistakes that they made in this game. I mean, the Gunner Ochevsky... I believe that's how you say his name. The Gunner, is it Ochesky? Is it Ochesky? I don't know. But anyways, the the muffed punt by Gunner, I'll just call him by his first name, that really hurt them. They had, a, I think, one or two dropped interceptions. One I can think of right off the top of my head. They might have had two. Um, they did end up picking them off on one time, but you need to make the most of those opportunities, again, because your team is just, 
it's not good enough to win and not capitalize on opportunities like that. You need to be able to pull that stuff off. It looked like they were maybe going to have a shot later in the game because I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was 17-6 in the third quarter. And then in the fourth, the Steelers kind of started to bring it back. They got a two-point conversion in there after scoring. So it looked like they might have a shot at the end of the day, but it didn't end up working out for them. Again, just very much a Belichick game. He managed the game very well. I mean... The stats really tell the whole story. The Patriots had 376 total yards, 252 passing yards compared to 152 of the Steelers, 124 rushing yards compared to 91 from the Steelers, and 5.7 yards per play in comparison to 4.2 for the Steelers. And even though the Patriots did have more penalties, again, just look at the time of possession and you really understand where this came from. And it was 33 minutes for the Patriots and 26 for the Steelers. So, again, just a well-controlled, classic Belichick-type game. Up next, let's move on to... What game do I want to talk about next? I guess we can talk about... I was This game really fucked me over, so I guess we can talk about this game now, because why not? Even though I'm kind of skipping ahead to later in the day Sunday, I just want to talk about this game now, because, one, I was just so shocked this happened. I think that it really does need to get talked about more, because... There's something weird going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost to Cooper Rush and the Dallas Cowboys. In particular, the first half, they got absolutely nothing going. And I think most of that, I think the biggest takeaway from this game, in my opinion, and if you watch the, the game in general, I mean, you don't even have to watch film. Just watching the broadcast, I think almost everyone noticed this. Cincinnati's O-line is in trouble like on paper they totally upgraded over the offseason and everyone was hyping them up including myself i thought that you know they fixed their biggest problem this is going to be really really damn scary joe mixon's going to have more lanes to run through which is going to open up the pass offense joe burrow's not going to be on his ass as much or scrambling around as much and honestly it looks worse than this time last year it looks bad yeah michael parsons is a monster and he's all over the place obviously if you've been listening to my podcast, you know I'm one of the biggest Micah Parsons guys on fucking planet Earth. Like, I think that guy is a perennial all-pro, going to be a Hall of Famer, multiple-time Defensive Player of the Year candidate. But at the end of the day, he completely, him and this other guys on the Cowboys defensive line, just, their defense in general just kind of took over this game. It's really not what you're expecting from... I mean, they were a good defense last year, but they had a lot of fluky stats and fluky plays. And Trayvon Diggs obviously led the league in picks, but also had one of the most receiving yards allowed against him, according to a ton of metrics, if not the most. So just, I wasn't expecting this type of performance from this Cowboys defense. I don't think anyone was. They lost a lot of pieces, obviously. Uh, Randy Gregory's not there. Demarcus Lawrence hasn't been his usual self in a few years now. But I mean, Michael Parsons adding two more sacks, a couple pressures along the way. He is unreal. Like, the, there's nothing on the football field this guy can't do. He could, you could put him at fucking running back, and he would average five yards a carry. I mean, the guy is just absurd. Tony Pollard had a flash play in here. He is electric, absolutely. Cooper Rush, of course, got to talk about that. Really pulling up in the clutch. Noah Brown had a hell of a game for the for the Dallas Cowboys. I almost. I don't know what I was about to say, but not the Dallas Cowboys. Um, he really impressed me. Noah Brown, that is. I was I was impressed by what I saw. There was a couple times where he gave down the balls, and I was like, oh, what a catch by CeeDee Lamb. And then, you know what? It wasn't 85. It was, or sorry, it wasn't 88. That was 85. 
Uh, really impressive stuff from there. Just, you know, I was expecting Jalen Tolbert to have a lot bigger role in this offense, but I mean, if guys like Noah Brown are stepping up, it makes sense why he doesn't. Um, Michael Gallup's still not back yet, so that's definitely going to help. Um, people are already totally overreacting this and saying like, oh, uh, should they consider sticking to Cooper Rush even when Dak is healthy? Yeah, no, no shot in how that happens. And Cooper Rush, like, all credit to him. He had a, a fantastic game, but I mean, there's a reason why he's a backup in this league, and he's going to continue being a backup as long as Dak is on this team. I'm going to take a sip of water really quick. But I mean, all, like credit to him. He, he, he played a clean game for the most part. He drove down at the end of the game, um, which again, I just cannot fucking believe that, you know, the Bengals got absolutely nothing going. They brought it back in the fourth quarter. All was great. And then <laughs> next thing you know, Cooper Rush is driving down the field really like honestly really well and on this in the same aspect the Bengals defense was playing really bad in that in that scenario it was kind of like what the Falcons did last week against the Saints it was a combination of Cooper Rush making the right decisions getting the ball in the right places but the defense was making him look a lot better than maybe he was they were definitely doing him some favors um the reason why I want to talk about this game in particular is because this weekend I parlayed a few things and both of them <laughs> I had two big parlays so I had the Saints Bucks under which hit obviously I had the Steelers um, Patriots under which hit obviously and then I parlayed that with Bengals money line just to increase the odds a little bit so obviously went two for three there Bengals was the one that fucked me over I couldn't believe that then I took before Trey Lance got hurt obviously wasn't expecting that before the game we'll talk about that in just a second I'll talk about that next before Trey Lance got hurt I took the Seahawks Niners under which hit and I took the what was the other one that I took um, oh I took the Texans spread which hit and then I finished it off with Bengals money lines so if there's a moral to the story it's don't be greedy <laughs> and also just fuck man you never any given Sunday seriously any given Sunday anything can happen I guess this is a perfect transition let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers versus the Seattle Seahawks. This game was um, not what I was expecting. I don't think it was quite what anyone was expecting because obviously we thought Trey Lance was gonna be the starter in this one. He did end up starting the game, so I guess he was the starter. But he suffered a brutal injury. You gotta feel so bad for the guy. I mean, obviously you hate when young players get injured anytime at all, but it's just in this situation it particularly sucks because he's trying to prove himself. He's trying to earn his, you know, his spot on this, not like, obviously he's got a spot on the team, but just a spot in these dudes' hearts, I guess. He needs to win over this locker room. It's very clear these guys love Jimmy G. And it's a weird phenomenon because it it really help, hurts Trey Lance, excuse me, that he's out right now. And it might hurt their future. But right now, it actually helps the 49ers in this very moment. And I know that might sound a little morbid because obviously a dude is now out for the season he just had to get surgery to repair i think a torn tendon and a broken ankle which is absolutely brutal but i mean it's i don't think it's that out of a take i don't think it's a hot take at all to say the niners are a better team today with jimmy g starting and i think the locker room likes jimmy g a lot i think the fans like jimmy g a lot i think everyone's really starting to realize that jimmy g is i mean he's better it only took us a couple of weeks to realize that Trey Lance is definitely not ready developing yet I mean again we'll see next spring and I really hope he can make leaps in that department because I'm not I'm never rooting against the guy even though I wasn't the highest on him which I'll admit I mean now I guess we'll never really see this year I guess we got to wait another year um, it's gonna be interesting to see what the 49ers do also 
that makes that 49ers deal with Jimmy G before I move on that Niners the fact that they reworked his deal to make it worth so much less that makes that move look even more genius than it already was because if you remember my reaction initially to that deal I thought it was an absolute steal I couldn't believe that Jimmy G agreed to that and that the Niners pulled that off because that is just it's a money move like seriously that is such an investment and it's a great one for the ba- the best backup quarterback in the league who's now going to be your starter has already taken you to many big games won a few big games for you guys and who knows i mean especially if george kittle comes back he could absolutely do it again so and it, I, it's not like the division is crazy tough i don't think the cardinals are all that um the cardinals obviously i guess we can talk about that game next but <laughs> we'll get to that in a second um I mean, they, they, we know how much they give the Rams trouble, and obviously they just blew out the Seahawks, and we don't expect the Seahawks to be much of anything. So they can definitely be a contender in the in a weak NFC. And it, entirely, I mean, it really helps out this squad that Jimmy G is back. The locker room likes him, the coaching staff. Um, maybe they're not as faithful in him, but it's pretty obvious they weren't very faithful in uh, Trey Lance either. So we'll see how this all goes down. Anyways, the 49ers are back. Um... I like them a lot more in terms of NFC, you know, to win in the NFC or whatever you want to call it, to be contenders in the NFC, as everyone likes to say. I really like their odds a lot more now. Um, I would talk about the Rams-Falcons, but I just frankly don't want to. Um, the Falcons kept that game interesting at the end. Jalen Ramsey made an amazing play to close out that game. Um, he was getting a lot of hate last week. He shut up a lot of those haters. Um, and even people are still clowning on him. It's like, you almost lost to the Falcons. You let them come back when you were up like 14 or 20, whatever it was. I, I really don't care. I mean, I said it. I think I said this in my preview. Like, the Falcons are one of those teams that they can almost be sneaky on anyone because I think their offense is just like honestly really dynamic and confusing. And I really like their weapons. Drake London's been really playing well the first two games of this, of this year. Kyle Pitts has been unusually quiet. Um, that's very frustrating if you're a fantasy owner. But on the bright side, sorry about that, if you could hear that. On the bright side, if you don't own him in fantasy, now might be a decent time to trade for him. I mean, I'm not telling you exactly what to do because my fantasy this year has been absolutely, honestly, blowing it. And I, I, I really haven't been that focused on fantasy for the last, like, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know fantasy hasn't really been my priority for quite some time now. I still pay attention to it. I still enjoy it. I still like giving out advice and I still think I have something to bring to the table in that regard. But I mean, I'm really focused on just analyzing these games as a whole, not as much as just like just one aspect of it. I think I'm kind of taking areas from, you know, betting and fantasy and just, you know, just real life scenarios and storylines and kind of bringing them all together. So again, Kyle Pitts might be someone to target on your fantasy teams if you're looking for to trade for someone. Um, again, don't really want to talk about this game because this score seems interesting. It was 27-31, but it really wasn't that close of a game. Um, it obviously came down to it at the end. Jalen Ramsey made a play. already mentioned that. Up next, let's talk about the Cardinals versus the Raiders. Um, this was one of the two craziest games of the weekend. Uh, the craziest one I'll talk about after this game. But I mean, fuck, if you're, if you're a Raiders fan, you have to be so pissed. And honestly, you gotta, you gotta be pretty disappointed about the first two weeks. I mean, this feels like this was really the year you were preparing to make a leap, really set the tone against, you know, your fellow AFC West rivals. Um, you're not the only team that's disappointing people, which again, I'll get to, but I mean, this was bad. This 
this was really, really bad. To be up 20 to nothing in the third quarter and then just absolutely fucking blow it. And the way they blew it, too, it's just... That's just morale breaking. That that the two the two point conversion was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen live in my entire life. Um, I'm sure you guys have already seen these stats, but Kyler Murray ran to 84. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. He ran 84 yards to get in for the touchdown. Um, and it's not like like everyone was locked up. He clearly couldn't get rid of the ball, but that's just so hard to defend. It's so annoying to play against that type of stuff. Like that is just. It, again, it's just it's back-breaking stuff and beyond that. I mean they just They choked they they really did they choked really really bad They had opportunities to put this game away. They couldn't do it the Cardinals you got to give them credit They made the most of the opportunities that were presented to them um, and It was just a weird game by the Raiders offensively Devontae Adams only had two targets all game We don't like that at all, especially if you're an owner of him in fantasy um, Darren Waller had uh, some opportunities, but you still feel like you could get him involved more. Hunter Renfro had a couple really, really bad fumbles that honestly were really instrumental to this game being the way or ending up the way it ended up. Um, I well credit to Isaiah Simmons. That was a big hit at the end of the game for the scoop and score to finish it off. But at the end of the day, you gotta hold the ball. You gotta hold onto the ball, man. And he also had a couple drops in this one. He was just all off his game. Uh, Raiders O line still not looking very good at all. Um, their secondary made some plays, especially at the beginning of the game. Again, to hold down, to hold Kyler Murray to zero points, even without DeAndre Hopkins, is incredible. Marquise Brown had an incredible, an absolutely incredible one-handed catch in this one. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. I don't think it was a touchdown. It looked like it was, but I think they stopped at the one. Either way, they ended up scoring for it. An incredible play. Um, that's the reason why they traded a first-round pick for him. So, all in all, I mean, it's... Again, it's one of these things you got to give credit on both sides, um, or maybe not credit. You got to discredit one side and give credit to another. I guess is how you should put it. Um, the Raiders fucked up; they choked. But you got to give the Cardinals credit for making the most of their opportunity. Um, just a crazy fun game, crazy wild game. Got to make you pull your hair out if you're a Raiders fan. So, absolutely feel for you guys. Now let's get to the craziest game of the weekend. It. I don't think it's a question. It's the Miami Dolphins versus the Baltimore Ravens. This was fucking wild to watch i could not believe this game this was absolutely insane if you're a miami dolphins fan this is everything and then some that you were hoping to see from this season entirely i mean it was ridiculous it was it was they were down i believe it was 21 with 10 left to go in the third and they won by a touchdown it didn't even go to overtime like that is un heard of to score as many points as they did and hold their opponents to as little as few points as they did i mean just look at the scorecard. They scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. The Ravens only scored three. It's just absurd what they were able to do. And again, I, I sound like a broken record here, but it's absolutely true. You got to give a ton of credit to Tua and the scheme and being able to find his guys. And again, this is just the dream scenario for Dolphins fan. And it's the dream scenario for Mike McDaniels and his scheme because, I mean, guarding Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill for four quarters with all that speed, it's nearly impossible. They're gonna break loose one of these times, but to break loose this many times, especially in the fourth quarter, a lot of that has to be blamed towards the Ravens, just absolute mishandling of the situation. There was a, more than a couple blown coverages. I don't see how you let Tyree kill behind you twice, basically on back-to-back -back drive, or what, not even, no, not basically. It was back-to-back -back drives. 
Um, and just such big plays. Tua, you got to give the good man some credit. I mean, his, his numbers say it all. 50 pass attempts, 469 yards, 6 touchdowns. Yeah, he started the game pretty slow. He had a couple picks early. It really looked like the Ravens were going to run a, run away with this one. Lamar Jackson put the team on his back. He really did everything he could. Looked absolutely incredible in this one. Just great efficiency. I mean, 9 carries for 119 yards and a touchdown. Again, if you have Lamar in fantasy, you love to hear that. But beyond that, I mean, as a passer... 21 of 29, 318, three touchdowns, no interceptions. You can't ask for a much cleaner game than that. He really did everything you can ask of him. Rashad Bateman made some big plays in this one, over 100 yards again. Mark Andrews made some really big plays. Isaiah Likely showed up, who, if you have been listening to me, you know I've been very high on Isaiah Likely. Marcus Williams, the safety, absolute stud, had an amazing game. And then again, the fourth quarter happened, and Miami just looked like, like, Patrick Mahomes with Tyreek Hill and then some like it was incredible how good Tua looked if you're again if you're a Miami fan like this is it this is the pinnacle of what you've been hoping for this is exactly what you want to see and it's got a ton of people on the internet including myself thinking holy shit I may have been way too harsh on Tua because yeah he did underthrow Tyreek on one of those deep balls, not going to lie. He could have let him on a little bit more. But, I mean, it got there. The numbers speak for himself. He really made some plays, especially in clutch time. That last touchdown of the game to Jalen Waddle says it all. I mean, he was making plays. The throw to Mike Gesicki was an absolute mwah, just freaking beauty. Mike Gesicki went up and got it. Again, that's a great play by Gesicki, but, I mean, Tua knows that Kasiki is a big body. He knows that he can get vertical. And he put the ball in a place that only Kasiki could put it. And it was a dart. It really was. And it's funny because now there's all these videos going viral. Um, maybe you guys have seen some of them. If you haven't, go look this up because it's actually like, it's pretty cool to watch. People have been flipping the screen so it makes Tua look like he's right-handed. And genuinely, it does look really pretty it's weird how much of a difference it makes and maybe that's part of the reason why i was just sleeping on him. you're not used to seeing left-handed quarterbacks um but i mean it was just an incredible game it's just unbelievable stuff it's got to be the game of the weekend in my opinion this was just this in the cardinals game were just two of those games where it's like you could not stop watching because if you did if you blinked if you turned away from the tv if you sat up to get water if you went to go to the bathroom you would miss a big play. And again, as a Dolphins fan, uh, well, I'm not a Dolphins fan. If you're a Dolphins fan, you've got to be ecstatic. This is exactly what you've been hoping for. It's exactly what you've been waiting for. And it looks like it's all paying off and the Mike McDaniels process is working. If they continue at this pace, they're going to be extremely dangerous in the AFC just as a whole. I mean, God damn, it, it's incredible what they were able to do. And I hope they keep it up just for their sake. Because one, I'd be wrong about it. And I'm, I'm completely cool with that. I don't mind surprises in the season. But again, just as a change, there's some turmoil in the season. If the Miami Dolphins can really keep up with the Buffalo Bills in this division, it would make it a hell of a lot more interesting. And as a fan, I would love that. Why the fuck not? So finally, I'm not even going to talk about Bills, Titans, because I guess I'm doing it right now. I'll just talk about the two Monday games and like, a minute just really quickly bills they're absolute world beaters i mean they if they can have a full quarters of four four full quarters of football there we go there it is they would drop 80 in a fucking game and i'm not joking it's it's incredible 
It is absolutely incredible how fast this team can score, how dynamic this offense is. Just everything I've been saying before the season, it, it looks like it's coming to fruition. I mean, this team just looks like they're on an absolute mission to just prove to the world that they are the best team in the league. They deserve this. Stephon Diggs is... His swagger is out this world right now. Three touchdowns from him. He just looks unguardable. Josh Allen, we all know how big of a mismatch he is. But, but I mean, beyond that, they've got they've got really good weapons. Isaiah McKenzie, Jameson Crowder. Um, they've got some guys there. Their running game has been looking a lot better. And I think a lot of that has to be credit to just their passing game being so explosive that you, you have to respect it. And that's going to open up lanes for the running game. They just complement each other so well. Their defense made a ton of plays again in this one. Their secondary is playing lights out, even with Tredavious White still out. Dane Jackson suffered a really, really scary injury in this one, but it looks like Sounds like he's going to be all right, so we'll love to hear that. Good for him. Hope he's, hopefully he's back on the field. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, there was a tip drill in this game that I believe Jordan Poyer ended up picking off, but two DBs hit it before he even caught it. Just, just it's, it's plays like that where it's like, oh, God, yeah, it's this team's year. Like, they are just, everything is falling right for this team right now, and they are just flying all over the place. And, I mean, fuck, it's just ridiculous stuff. Up next, I mean, again, just really quickly because not so much to talk about. This game really did surprise me. I thought it was going to be a lot more high scoring. It, I mean, it kind of started off promising. The Eagles had some really big plays, but the Vikings just really couldn't keep up. I mean, the Eagles look really damn good. Really impressed by them. Uh, they beat the Vikings 24-7, as I'm sure most of you guys are aware. Darius Slay had an amazing night. Two picks against Justin Jefferson. Um, again, some of that can be credited to Kirk Cousins. He did not have his best game by any stretch of the imagination. Just their offense as a whole really struggled outside the first drive. Some of that has to be credited to the Eagles' defense. I think they really made the most of some opportunities. But again, the Vikings could have done a lot of different things. I got to watch this game in more detail uh, because I really haven't seen too much of this game. Um, I haven't like seen any of the All-22 or all that. So I can't, again, these last two, these two Monday night games... I can't speak about too much, so not going to go into too great a detail. But, I mean, the Eagles, they had a couple really good plays. Jalen Hurts had an absolute bomb. He had a couple rushing touchdowns that were really impressive. Really love how strong of a runner he is and just looking, seeking for contact. Just never scared to go down. Um, obviously, it can be a little scary sometimes but just with your quarterback. You don't want to see him get injured. But he's a big, strong guy. He seems to know how to use his body well. He's not just absolutely reckless with it. So it doesn't concern me as much in that regard. And I mean, they've got some weapons. God damn it. Excuse me, let me get a drink of water. They've got some weapons there. They really do. Over in Philadelphia, they've got some really good weapons. So again, there's a lot of noise being made there. They win a lot in the trenches, which is honestly how you win in this day and age. And Trench play can really get you to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that this team is going to be in the Super Bowl and that, you know, they're going to be able to beat the Bucs right now or teams like that because the Bucs defense is looking like a Super Bowl defense. But, I mean, they have a shot. It's only week two. You can't overreact. And finally, let's talk about the Texans versus the Broncos just really quick. I'm already at 30 minutes, so i got to wrap this up pretty quick. Um, I got working. Oh, we're cool. i got some time. So, the Broncos. I mean, where to start with the Broncos? I think everyone's talking about Nathaniel Hackett right now, as they should. 
he really looks like he's over his skis. I really don't like the way he's been managing a lot of these games. I really don't like the way he uses his timeouts. Um, there are some great coordinators that just haven't worked out as coaches. I'm not saying that's going to end up being the case here, but I mean, the early signs are really showing that that could be. I really don't like what I'm seeing from him at all. I think they mismanaged a lot of games. Obviously, that shined through most in that Seahawks game. Uh, given that's going for a 64-yard field goal instead of letting Russ go for it on fourth down when you have all three timeouts, and then using your timeouts when the game was already over. It's just really weird decision-making. Obviously, you, not all that can be pointed towards him because they should have won that game 30-17. to But this game was really, really goddamn ugly. I mean, the Texans were winning for a long part of the time, or it was tied. The Broncos could get nothing going offensively outside of Corland Sutton and Russell Wilson having some really good connections. Derek Stingley did show some promise against Corland Sutton. They had him one-on-one -on -one against him a lot, but he really did have a couple welcome to the NFL moments where it's just timing stuff that it's just, it's so hard to defend. And it, a lot of that stuff is really not his fault. It's just, one, it's chemistry between Russell and Corwin Sutton, and it's also just great body manipulation and movement by Corwin Sutton, using that 6-4 frame to just basically wedge himself between the ball and Stingley, and he did that a few times, so Stingley's going to learn from that. He's still an incredible cornerback. He, he did make a few plays in this one. Sorry, I keep taking sips of water. My throat is extremely dry right now, but... I mean, all in all, you expect that a lot better from the Broncos. Yeah, they won the game. Thank God they didn't lose this one. That would have been uh, horrendous if they were 0-2 right now with the Raiders. Um, but, I mean, you just expect more. You really <laughs> you really have to be worried if you're a Broncos fan. It's not what you like to see at all. I mean, they can still bring it together. They still have, obviously, all the pieces. It's still an elite quarterback. Um, but I just... I'm really worried about this head coach. I'm really worried about Nathaniel Hackett. Can he bring it together? Can he win this locker room over? And especially, can he win the fans over? I mean, these guys were booing the shit out of him. Like, seriously, like, it was really, really gnarly. They were booing Russell a little bit too, but Nathaniel Hackett was really getting it. Um, just really don't like his game management, and some of his play calling is really questionable. I don't know if that's all him doing the play calling or if it's their OC there, but... Again, just really don't like what I'm seeing from the Broncos right now. If you're a Broncos fan, you've got to be extremely disappointed with what you're seeing. Um, I guess before we wrap it up, I, I guess we should quickly talk about maybe the only team that's more disappointing than the Broncos right now, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. I know they haven't won in Jacksonville in eight years now, and I know they're cursed there and they can't win. And I know that Shaq Leonard was injured and Michael Pittman. That was a huge loss. Michael Pittman especially, that is like so much of their offense but that's almost more telling and more concerning to me because it's like you can't be so reliant on those two guys that you literally drop zero points against the team that had the number one overall pick last year that is just concerning the whole reason why matt ryan is here is because carson wentz lost <laughs> that game last year in jacksonville if they win that game last game last year in jacksonville carson wentz is still an indianapolis colt i can almost guarantee it Actually, I, I can, I'll fucking say that. I guarantee. Obviously, we'll never know, but that's a fact. Um, so this is the game. This is essentially the game you got Matt Ryan for. And yeah, his best weapon wasn't there, but I mean, shit. You can't put up a fucking donut. Like, yeah, losing sucks, obviously. You don't, like, don't want to lose, period. But to literally sc not score a point, for, to have the Jacksonville Jaguars shut you down with Jonathan Taylor, potential MVP candidate, your new quarterback... Um, it's just, 
It's unacceptable. Again, it's the same thing with the Broncos game. Like, if you're a Colts fan right now, you have to be shaking in your boots. That is extremely disappointing. And basically, your whole season is riding on your wide receiver one's health. And that's just not sustainable. It's a, In this day and age, you need more than one weapon. You need to be able to spread the ball around. And I'm really concerned about the Indianapolis Colts. Luckily for them, the AFC South is absolute garbage. And with this win, the Jacksonville Jaguars are somehow in first place. Obviously, it's week two, so that really doesn't matter. That's like the one reason why you can argue it's not, not totally time to panic. Because, um, you know, their vision is just that bad. But, I mean, zero points against the Jaguars? Like, it's that's just ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. And this is the type of shit that, you know gets people fired this is the type of shit that has people losing their jobs um this is where you really question was trading for Wentz worth it and should we have just you know kept that draft capital and added more weapons i don't know it's just really weird stuff i i who do they play next week i guess i guess we can start there because you you, they need to start getting these wins soon and they're fucked because they play the chiefs they play the chiefs titans and then the broncos who Again, I've been very disappointed. That's the disappointment bull right there. But seriously, they could <laughs> they could lose to all those teams, realistically. Even the way the Titans are playing right now. Like, the Titans, by no means, are playing out of their minds. But it's not like the Colts are showing anything either. So, <clears throat> especially if Michael Pittman and Shaq Leonard are still out, which you'd expect them to be back by that game. I mean, that's anyone's game right now. Like, right if they played tomorrow, I would probably take the Titans in that game. So, again, you got to expect a lot more from them. Um, that's going to be it for me, though. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, be sure to follow this podcast. Follow my Instagram, at Murphy's League. Share this with your friends and family. It would mean a whole lot. And I appreciate each and every single one of you. Have a good day, y'all. Peace.